My question is, what on earth does a cheesemonger do? <laughs> We're going to learn a bit from Tie-Dye Jedi tonight, I think. Um, uh, but uh, I am I'm curious. I'm curious what a cheesemonger gets up to. Um, Hogwarts Hippie says, strapped and ready to go. Fantastic. Witch Hazel, hey, it has been a while. Good to see you again. Holly Rose, hello. Making macarons during the stream. Nice, fantastic. Um, one of my sisters absolutely loves macarons. And uh, macarons. Uh, and um, so, does, so does Five Foot Fury, actually. The Bean Queen. Baygent says, I have been reading the first Harry Potter book to my one-year-old before bed. Fantastic. Yeah, I got a really sweet email um, uh, earlier this week from somebody. Uh, by the way, Baygents, I have seen your email and I'll be responding imminently. But um, I got a really sweet email earlier uh, in the week from uh, a gentleman, I believe, based on the first name, but um, uh, from someone who was listening to the series and uh, actually was using this as inspiration and started to do some reading to someone else in their life. And uh, I don't want to give away too much detail because I think it's there's a reason people send stuff like that in confidence. But um, they're reading to someone else that's important to them. Um, and uh, this sort of this sort of exaggerated style is apparently resonating with them. So that's really exciting to hear that this is causing other people to read to each other. I think that's super exciting. Courtney says, Sam, do you have the illustrated Harry Potter books? I just got them and the artwork is amazing in them. I have seen some of them. I do not have them. Um, as a matter of fact, I work off of, um, uh, I work off of PDFs for the most part because they're, they're easier to navigate through and I don't have to like risk dropping them. I can do highlighting and such, um, uh, and all sorts of like notations and, and writing that is, stream specific stream specific stream specific and i wouldn't necessarily want to uh, mark up a book like that yeah leafy toes says at what age do most start reading the uh reading harry potter the kiddos i can't wait to read them to my daughter vagent says yes my husband takes note uh on your voices and tries to imitate them fantastic Fantastic. Well, I mean, he should know. Just go straight to the source. All Most of my voices are just bad imitations of other people's voices. Um, typically the voices they belong to. So, you know, uh, I think uh, folks who have been around for a little while, for about a book now, will definitely recognize uh, Christopher Fallen, which is my very bad Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> Luke, hello. Boy, Luke. Um, by the way, I want to give a quick shout out to Luke. Um, once again, Luke, thank you very much uh, for for all of your help uh, with the images. I I went in and I I went to our folder um, that we we used to coordinate for the images, and I noticed that the the section for chapter twenty seven was a little light, and so I did some searching around, and man, you had your work cut out for you, Luke. <laughs> there is not a lot of uh, art related to this chapter, and it's so strange because of the chapter that it is. Um, uh, you know, there's a decent bit of material for one specific part of this chapter, but, you know, there is just, like, I, I was surprised when I when I first saw the, the folder, like, 
boy, there's, I'm, that's, that's a little light, but yeah, going in on my search, you had your work cut out, so thank you very much. Luke finds basically all of the art that we've been using for essentially the, the last half of this book so far. Yeah, Luke says, I don't know why. It's so important and I couldn't find something I liked. Yeah, same here. So I've 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 augmented with a few things that I've found, but uh it's uh it was a tough one. <laughs> M. Ache says, My husband and I were trying to do a Snape impersonation last night, and he said, No one can do a Snape impersonation. And I said, Oh no, I know someone who can. I told him all about sidecar stories. I do try. That is a tough one, and I, I notice actually with the Snape one, it it changes week to week. Um, some weeks I'm I'm really I'm really in it, um, and then some weeks I just can't pull off a Snape to save my life. I don't know what it is, but uh, I've found that if you if you press against your vocal cords here a little bit, I don't know how yeah, I don't know how well you can see this here. Let me change to my splash here. So if you press up against your vocal cords just a little bit, um, you know don't don't hurt yourself. But um, my theory is. My understanding of, of vocal cords is that as you as you loosen them, much much in the same way that sorry. So when you push like this, it's taking your vocal cords um, and sort of uh, loosening them a little bit. You're taking the structure around it and deforming it such that uh, it, uh, um, it it's not quite as taut. It, there's sort of a ring, and your vocal cords are strung across it. Uh, you can imagine like a, um, let's see, imagine a like a bangle like a wrist bracelet kind of thing with with two rubber bands strung across it in parallel so there's a ring here and two rubber bands strung across it like this um, I found that if you press that ring down a little bit so the rubber bands are a little bit more slack that's what I imagine is happening um, and uh, as many of y'all have seen if you take a rubber band and you you go ding ding doing 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 um, and then you release some of the slack it gets deeper uh, and so I try to use that to uh, to my advantage. Um, so I deform it a little bit, and and uh, here, let me just maybe I can do it live. So I'm just gonna try and hold one note, and then I'm gonna push against my vocal cords, and and you should be able to see kind of what happens there. <coughs> Pushed a little too hard on that last one, but uh, as you can see, that was not me changing my voice. That was just what happens when I push against my vocal cords. As such with that very sort of deep voice that Snape has. Um, I just sort of scrunch up my chin and push against my vocal cords. <laughs> I, did, I did I did, throat punch myself just a little bit, Gems. I appreciate the reminder, but uh, yeah, Luke, so was I. And I've actually experimented with pushing on the sides of it too. I, actually, I haven't done that same exercise though. Let's see what happens. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna try and hold the note and then try to make it higher by pushing on the other sides, deforming it the other way so that the rubber bands get more tight. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's not really doing anything, right? <laughs> it doesn't do anything at all. Um, let me jump into Discord uh, really quick. Um, I'm already live on there. I just wanna make sure that I put the notification up for everyone. Let's see. Nope. There we go. Live now. HP. Uh, uh, HP stream is live at 
the Twitch. And how is, uh, how are, how's my audio right now? Luke. Hey, there's another Luke. Hello. Uh, Potty for Potter. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. Good to have you here. Thanks for the follow. Uh, Shotzi says, tried to log in with Amazon. Can't see where I do the subscribe. Um, that is all right. So yeah, so this will be, I'll, I'm going to, I'll mention it one more time and I'll say it once at the end. Um, we're about to get started here. So let me go back to the, the library. Um, I mentioned this a little bit before as we were just sort of, you know, casually booting up the stream. Um, I am now a, a Twitch affiliate. Now, some of you that are familiar with the streaming world might know what that means. Uh, for those of you who aren't um, and haven't checked the Discord recently, Twitch essentially has two major um, milestones for streamers. Um, and they're, they're sort of these milestones that you reach when you have, you know, attracted uh, a consistent group of people and you are streaming consistently. The first one is affiliate and the second one is partner. And without even having done like a full week of regular streaming schedule, y'all have already put me at affiliate. Um, I have already reached that milestone, which means that there is this subscription button over in the corner. Now, I don't expect any subscriptions. Um, what subscriptions are going to do for me are essentially just help it to make more sense uh, for me to be streaming more. So if you really like sidecar stories and you would love to see more streams um, uh, or more types of streams, then uh, I would I would, uh, that's essentially one of the numbers that will help it make sense for me to be streaming much more often. Um, but it's really exciting. I am, I am really staggered that y'all helped me do it so quickly. That was kind of a, uh, a, a little bit more of a long-term goal initially. Um, when I started doing this and uh, y'all made it happen so quickly after moving the platform, uh, it's really been encouraging to come to Twitch and already have like, you know, meet a, meet a big milestone and, and have something exciting happen. I've got people saying congratulations. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it a lot. Um, oh, yeah, I was wondering why my chat box wasn't up there. Okay. There we go. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it an awful lot. Uh, it has been, uh, it, it's been a wild ride doing this for over two years now. And uh, so I'm very excited that, you know, interesting things are happening. Uh, one thing I want to mention to you is, as I said, I don't expect any subscriptions from anybody. I am, uh, I'm going to continue to do this as I do it. Like I said, the, the big thing that Twitch, that uh, subscriptions are going to do for me is help it to make sense for me to stream more. Um, but... If you have uh, Amazon Prime, you already have a free subscription to somebody on Twitch. Um, you can apply it to whoever you want. I'm not even saying me, but if you've got somebody on Twitch who is really inspiring to you um, or who, you know, helps you get through your week, uh, the free Twitch Prime subscription that you, that you, uh, excuse me, the, the free Twitch subscription you get with Amazon Prime, uh, you've already got it, you've already paid for it, so you can give that to somebody and uh, they will appreciate it an awful lot. Um, so you should be able to just log in with your Twitch info and uh, it should give you an option to uh, apply that. One thing about that is that it's, you know, as long as you maintain your subscription, that that is still in place, but it will... Um, uh, it will need to be renewed on the various channels every month. You know, whatever channel that you decide to use it on, it'll need to be resubscribed every month. But uh, yeah, it's a great way to support people who, you know, make your week a little bit better. Um, now, with all that said, I think we are ready to get started. Don't you? I think so. 
So let us begin. Um, let's talk about review. It's been a little while. Um, certainly not as long as it was before. Something along the lines of that. Hey, Sam, it's me. Star Wars. Gotcha. How's it going? Something along the lines of that. Um, let's talk about review. What do we remember from last time? What do we remember from last time? Um, I think... Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, so right now, Discord's looking good. Twitch is looking good. Uh, chapter 26 was intense, wasn't it? So la our last two chapters were chapter 25, the seer overheard. Not the seer overhead, which is what I thought it was initially. But... Uh, uh, and then chapter 26 was the cave. So the seer overheard... Um, we start on a pretty happy note. Harry and Ginny have just recently started uh, going out, I guess I will say. Um, I don't know that they are... Yeah, the fact that Harry Potter was going out with Ginny Weasley seemed to interest a great number of people. So that seems to be... Um, that seems to be how they're labeling it. Um, so it starts on a pretty happy note, you know? We are, we've got Ginny and Harry, they are happy together. Um, finally, essentially, right? You know, they've been... Uh, sort of putzing around with this for a long time. Ginny started having a, um, by having a, a crush on Harry, and then now Harry is, uh, you know, Harry has spent the last year or so sort of um, uh, just wishing after Ginny, and now finally they are together. Um, other people seem to be pretty interested in this, uh, maybe more so than Harry's comfortable with, but, you know, Harry has dealt with worse things before, and he's pretty happy with people gossiping about him for something that's not ruining his life. Um, that it, it can be a happy thing that people are going to gossip about. Um, Hermione finds out about someone named Eileen Prince, uh, who she thinks might be the half-blood prince. Now, Harry is in a bit of a debate with himself, um, even more so a debate with Hermione about whether or not he is going to go and retrieve the half-blood prince's potions book. Um, Hermione doesn't trust the thing, not at all, especially after this spell, uh, Sectum Sempra, that he used kind of in, you know, just sort of a, uh, as a reflex against Malfoy, but it ended up seriously cutting up Malfoy, literally. Um, and uh, it, it's turned out to be a pretty dangerous book, it would seem. But Harry is intent that, uh, you know what, it was just a note of a spell, he didn't insist that anyone use it, this half-blood prince. Um, and meanwhile, Harry is uh, Harry is trying to get uh, Harry's trying to get to what Malfoy is doing. He doesn't know what yet. He knows that Malfoy is in the room of requirement, and that uh, it's going to be important to find out what he's up to because Harry's fairly confident it is nefarious. Something bad is happening in there. On his way upstairs, however, he meets Professor Trelawney. She has been having a bit to drink, it seems, as she has done more frequently since um, uh, since her firing by, uh, uh, what's her name, Umbridge. Uh, Umbridge fires, uh, fires her, and, and since then she has been, you know, she has not seemed herself, although we haven't had a ton of exposure to her prior to that. Um, she notes that uh, something is happening in this, uh, in, in the room of requirement, and it appears that, you know, Harry might have finally caught Malfoy at it, but then something that Mal that uh, Trelawney says makes him forget about Malfoy entirely. She talks about her interview with Dumbledore, um, the one where 
she gave this prophecy. The one prophecy, the one true prophecy that Dumbledore has ever known her to make. Um, it's the one regarding Harry and Voldemort together. And Harry suddenly finds out from her who heard, who overheard this prophecy. It was Snape. He is furious, suddenly rushes up to Dumbledore's office. And he's furious because Snape must have been the one to go and tell Voldemort. Um, now, they, Harry and Dumbledore argue at this point. Uh, Harry has never been this angry with Dumbledore. He's been angry with Dumbledore before, um, especially, you know, middle of book five kind of territory, but he's never been this angry with Dumbledore. Um, Dumbledore insists that Professor Snape made a mistake. He was still employed by Lord Voldemort at this time. Um, and he insists that Snape had no possible way of knowing which boy Voldemort would hunt and, you know, the, whose parents might end up um, in grave danger because of this. He didn't know how this this thing would propagate out. But Harry, Harry is kind of blinded by the rage that he feels. He says he hated my dad like he hated Sirius. Have you noticed, Professor, how people Snape, how the people that Snape hates tend to end up dead? And I do think he has a bit of a point there, but Harry is pretty blinded by his rage right now. Um, Dumbledore can... Ooh, that startled me. <laughs> uh, something on the lines. Uh, thank you very much. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. Um, but... Uh, Dumbledore interrupts this, says that he still trusts Snape and that uh, there are more pressing matters at hand, which are um, a new Horcrux. Dumbledore believes he has found the location of one and he asks Harry to accompany him out to find this thing. Now, we don't know precisely uh, what it is or what will happen when they get there, uh, but we do know that they are headed to a cave. In the cave, we have perhaps our most intense chapter ever. Um, they arrive at this cave. It's a place where uh, Dumbledore believes uh, Voldemort had an important moment when he was young. Um, they enter the cave. It is magically uh, protected in many various ways, um, including uh, Dumbledore has to uh, spill his own blood in order to get past one of the doors. Um, there's a giant lake, a giant underground lake. Um, with a greenish glow at the center and they have to find a boat they have to get across this lake into the middle of it where they find a pedestal with a, a little basin full of a potion now this is where Dumbledore insists he insists that Harry follow orders here and the order is whatever happens Dumbledore must keep drinking Harry must keep Dumbledore drinking this potion um, because after after a significant amount of sort of assessment Dumbledore realizes this is the only way to get through um, and uh, likely it will reveal the the um, uh, the the Horcrux to them but it is designed to weaken whoever finds it because Voldemort will want them alive Harry acquiesces after a lot of protesting but um, Dumbledore will indeed drink this potion and Harry will help and Harry does so um, as Dumbledore drinks 
it's clear it is causing him a great amount of anguish whether it's physical pain it seems to be there's some uh bringing up hallucinations or perhaps memories something within dumbledore it is it is mentally anguishing as well um and as of finishing this drink uh dumbledore dumbledore just wants it to be over it's a truly weak moment for dumbledore like we have never seen before um but Harry gets him to finish the entire potion, finds the uh, finds a locket at the at the the bottom of this basin. This is the thing that they came here to find. And uh, as Dumbledore asks for water, the only way to get it is to get it from the lake. Doing so disturbs the Inferi below. Inferi being uh, reanimated corpses, um, zombies essentially, but. But uh, actually described as a little scarier because they're, you know, the, the thing about, well, I, I almost, I almost did it. I almost got into my own trap. I almost stepped right in my own trap of getting off on a zombie tangent. I'm not going to do it. Um, uh, these animated corpses storm this little island in the middle of this underground lake and uh, Harry and Dumbledore barely make it out alive. Um, it's difficult. Um Harry is uh, having to help Dumbledore, who is is limping and weak. Um, but Dumbledore says he's not worried because he's with Harry, and that's where we're at. We've just exited the cave, and uh, I believe now we can start our chapter. Folks, thank you very much for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoy. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do one quick test. Um, I'm just gonna check my my uh, my audio here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds just a little muddy. What would be causing that? Let me check here. Let me. I am going to. Make sure I don't have any weird filters set on this thing right now. Oh, I do indeed. Okay. So this is without noise suppression. One, two, three. And this is without the compressor. One, two, three. I think it's the compressor. Yeah, that's what's doing. Okay. I'm going to keep the noise suppression on. I'm going to turn it way down low. How's that? Uh, what if I do it like this? That's doing nothing. Okay. Still a little bit. I'm just going to proceed. I think we've got what we need. Um, everyone, if you have stuff that you would like to discuss, I would love to talk about it. Go ahead and put it in chat as we proceed, and uh, I will either address it during a chatter break, although during these final chapters, they don't have many chapter breaks. Um, uh, and if not, then we will try to get to it at the end of the chapter. And of course, uh, I encourage you to discuss amongst yourselves. This is one of those rare circumstances where y'all can be having a whole conversation that doesn't distract me in the slightest. It's fantastic. It's like the uh, it's like the ultimate classroom. That's probably not true. We've got actual teachers in here who could probably refute that, but I definitely enjoy this this format. Okay, here we go.
Chapter 27 The Lightning Struck Tower Once back under the starry sky, Harry heaved Dumbledore onto the top of the nearest boulder and then to his feet. Sodden and shivering, Dumbledore's weight still upon him, Harry concentrated harder than he had ever done upon his destination. Hogsmeade. Closing his eyes, gripping Dumbledore's arm as tightly as he could, he stepped forward into that feeling of horrible compression. He knew that it had worked before he opened his eyes. The smell of the sea, the salt, the breeze had gone. He and Dumbledore were shivering and dripping in the middle of the large high street in Hogsmeade. Excuse me, let's try that again. The dark high street in Hogsmeade. For one horrible moment, Harry's imagination showed him more in fury creeping toward him around the sides of shops, but he blinked and saw nothing was stirring. All was still. The darkness complete, but for a few street lamps and lit upper windows. We did it, Professor, Harry whispered with difficulty. He suddenly realized that he had a searing stitch in his chest. We did it. We got the Horcrux. Dumbledore staggered against him. For a moment, Harry thought that his inexpert apparition had thrown Dumbledore off balance. Then he saw his face, paler and damper than ever in the distant light of a street lamp. Sir, are you all right? I have been better, said Dumbledore weakly, though the corners of his mouth twitched. That potion was no health drink. And to Harry's horror, Dumbledore sank to the ground. Sir, it's okay, sir. You're going to be all right. Don't worry. He looked desperately for help, but there was nobody to be seen, and all he could think to do was that he must somehow get Dumbledore quickly to the hospital wing. We need to get you up to school, sir. Madame Pomfrey. No, said Dumbledore. It is Professor Snape whom I need, but I do not think I can walk very far just yet. Right, sir, listen. I'm going to go knock on a door, find a place that you can stay. Then I can run and get Madame... Severus, said Dumbledore clearly. I need Severus. All right then, Snape. But I'm going to have to leave you for a moment so that I can... Before Harry could make a move, however, he heard running footsteps. His heart leapt. Somebody had seen. Somebody knew that they needed help. And looking around, he saw Madame Rosmerta scurrying down the dark street toward them in a high-heeled, fluffy slippers, wearing a silk dressing gown embroidered with dragons. I saw you apparate as I was pulling my bedroom curtains. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I couldn't think of what to... But what is wrong with Albus? That one morphed halfway through, didn't it? She came to a halt, panting, and stared down, wide-eyed at Dumbledore. He's hurt, said Harry. Madam Rosmerta, can he come into the three broomsticks while I go up to school and help get help for him? You can't go up there alone. Don't you realize? Haven't you seen? If you can help me support him, said Harry, not listening to her. I think that we can get him inside. What happened? asked Dumbledore. Rosmerta, what's wrong? The, the mark, Albus. 
and she pointed into the sky, in the direction of Hogwarts. Dread flooded Harry at the sound of the words. He turned and looked. There it was, hanging in the sky above the school, the blazing green skull with a serpent tongue, the mark Death Eaters left behind whenever they had entered a building, wherever they had murdered. When did it appear? asked Dumbledore, and his hand clenched painfully upon Harry's shoulder as he struggled to his feet. It must have been minutes ago, but it wasn't there when I put the cut out, and then I got upstairs. We need to return to the castle at once, said Dumbledore. Where's Murta? And though he staggered a little, he seemed wholly in command of the situation. We need transport. Brooms. I've got a couple behind the bar, she said, looking very frightened. Shall I run and fetch? Oh, Harry can do it. Harry raised his wand at once. Akia Rosmerta's brooms. Harry almost couldn't do it. A second later, they heard a loud bang as the front door of the pub burst open. Two brooms had shot out into the street, and they were racing each other to Harry's side, where they stopped dead, quivering slightly at waist height. Rosmerta, please send a message to the Ministry, said Dumbledore, as he mounted the broom nearest him. It might be that nobody within Hogwarts has yet realized anything is wrong. Harry, put on your invisibility cloak. Harry pulled his cloak out of his pocket and threw it over himself before mounting his broom. Madame Rosmerta was already tottering back off toward her pub as Harry and Dumbledore kicked off from the ground and rose into the air. As they sped toward the castle, Harry glanced sideways at Dumbledore, ready to grab him should he fall. But the sight of the dark mark seemed to have acted upon Dumbledore like a stimulant. He was bent low over his broom, his eyes fixed upon the mark, his long silver hair and beard flying behind him in the night air. And Harry, too, looked ahead at the skull, and fear swelled inside him like a venomous bubble, compressing his lungs, driving all other discomfort from his mind. How long had they been away? Had Ron, Hermione, and Ginny's luck run out by now? Was it one of them who had caused the mark to be set over the school, or was it Neville, or Luna, or some other member of the DA? And if it was, he was the one who had set them to patrol the corridors. He had asked them to leave the safety of their beds. Would he be responsible again for the death of a friend? As they flew over the dark, twisting lane down which they had walked earlier, Harry heard over the whistling of the night air in his ears, Dumbledore muttering in some strange language again. He thought he understood why he felt his broom shudder when they... He thought he understood why, as he felt his broom shudder when they flew over the boundary wall to the grounds, Dumbledore was undoing the enchantments he himself had set around the castle so that they could enter at speed. The dark mark was glittering directly above the astronomy tower the highest of the castle. Did that mean the death had occurred there? Dumbledore had already crossed the Crenald ramparts and was dismounting. Harry landed next to him a few seconds later and looked around. The ramparts were deserted. The door to the spiral staircase that led him back to the castle was closed. There was no sign of a struggle, of a fight to the death, of a body. 
What does it mean? Harry asked Dumbledore, looking up at the green skull with the serpent's tongue glinting evilly above them. Is it the real mark? Has someone definitely been... Professor? In the dim green glow from the mark, Harry saw Dumbledore clutching at his chest with his blackened hand. Go and wake Severus, said Dumbledore faintly but clearly. Tell him what has happened and bring him to me. Do nothing else. Speak to nobody else. And do not remove your cloak. I shall wait here. But you swore to obey me, Harry. Go. Harry hurried over to the door leading to the spiral staircase, but his hand had only just closed upon the iron ring of the door when he heard running footsteps on the other side. He looked around at Dumbledore, who gestured him to retreat. Harry backed away, drawing his wand as he did so. The door burst open and somebody erupted inside it. And somebody erupted through it and shouted, Expelliarmus! Harry's body became instantly rigid and immobile, and he felt himself fall back against the tower wall, propped like an unsteady statue. Unable to move or speak, he did not understand how it had happened. Expelliarmus was not a freezing charm. And then, by the light of the mark, he saw Dumbledore's wand flying in an arc over the edge of the ramparts, and understood. Dumbledore had wordlessly immobilized Harry, and the second he had taken to perform the spell had cost him the chance of defending himself. Standing against the ramparts, very white in the face, Dumbledore still showed no sign of panic or distress. He merely looked across at his disarmor and said, Okay, I did goof that voice up. I, I could have sworn somebody else had already been up here. Okay, that's my bad. Good evening, Draco. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Luke. I don't know what I goofed up right now. <laughs> I, I accidentally gave it somebody else's voice. It's a Caro. Uh, I gave him one of the Caro's voices because I thought they got here earlier. That's my bad. Malfoy stepped forward, glancing around quickly to check that he and Dumbledore were alone. His eyes fell upon the second broom. Who else is here? A question I might ask you. Or are you acting alone? Harry saw Malfoy's pale eyes shift back to Dumbledore in the greenish glare of the mark. No, he said. I've got back up. There are Death Eaters here in your school tonight. Well, well, said Dumbledore, as though Malfoy was showing him an ambitious homework project. Very good indeed. You found a way to let them in, did you? Yeah, said Malfoy, who was panting. Right under your nose, and you never realized. Ingenious, said Dumbledore. Yet, forgive me, where are they now? You seem unsupported. They met one of your guards. They're having a fight down below. They won't be long. I came on ahead. I... I've got a job to do. Well, then you must get on and do it, my dear boy, said Dumbledore softly. 
There was a silence. Harry stood imprisoned within his own invisible, paralyzed body, staring at the two of them, his ears straining to hear sounds of Death Eaters' distant fight, and in front of him, Draco Malfoy did nothing but stare at Albus Dumbledore, who, incredibly, smiled. Draco. Draco, you are not a killer. How do you know? said Malfoy at once. He seemed to realize how childish the words had sounded. Harry saw him flush in the marked greenish light. You don't know what I'm capable of, said Malfoy more forcefully. You don't know what I've done. Oh, yes, I do, said Dumbledore mildly. You almost killed Katie Bell and Ronald Weasley. You have been trying with increasing desperation to kill me all year. Forgive me, Draco, but they have been feeble attempts. So feeble, to be honest, that I wondered whether your heart has really been in it. It has been in it, said Malfoy vehemently. I've been working on it all year, and tonight... Somewhere in the depths of the castle below, Harry heard a muffled yell. Malfoy stiffened and glanced over his shoulder. Somebody is putting up a good fight, said Dumbledore conversationally. But you were saying... Yes, you have managed to introduce Death Eaters into my school, which I admit I thought impossible. How did you do it? But Malfoy said nothing. He was still listening to whatever was happening below and seemed almost as paralyzed as Harry was. Perhaps you ought to get on with the job alone, suggested Dumbledore. What if your backup has been thwarted by my guard? As you have perhaps realized, there are members of the Order of the Phoenix here tonight, too, and after all, you don't really need help. I have no warrant at the moment. I cannot defend myself. Malfoy merely stared at him. I see, said Dumbledore kindly, which Malfoy neither moved nor spoke. I see, said Dumbledore kindly, when Malfoy neither moved nor spoke. You are afraid to act until they join you. I'm not afraid, snarled Malfoy, though he still made no move to hurt Dumbledore. It's you who shall be scared. But why? I don't think that you will kill me, Draco. Killing is not e nearly as easy as the innocent believe. So tell me, while we wait for your friends, how did you smuggle them in here? It seems to have taken a long time to work out how to do it. Malfoy looked as though he were fighting down the urge to shout or to vomit. He gulped and took several deep breaths, glaring at Dumbledore. His wand pointed directly at the latter's heart. Then, as though he could not help himself, he said, I had to mend that broken vanishing cabinet that no one's used for years. The ones that Montague got lost in last year. Ah... Uh, um. Dumbledore's sigh was half a groan. He closed his eyes for a moment. That was clever. There is a pair, I take it. In Borgen and Burks, said Malfoy. They make a kind of passage between them. 
Montague told me when he was stuck in the Hogwarts one, he was trapped in limbo, but sometimes he could hear what was going on in the school and sometimes what was going on in the shop, as if the cabinet was travelling between them, but he couldn't make anyone hear him. In the end, he managed to apparate out, even though he'd never passed the test. He nearly died doing it. Everyone thought it was a really good story, but I was the only one who realised what it meant. Even Borgin didn't know. I was the one who realised that there could be a way into Hogwarts through the cabinets, if I fixed the broken one. Very good, murmured Dumbledore. So the Death Eaters were able to pass from Borgin and Burks into the school to help you. A very clever plan. And as you say, right under my nose. Yeah, said Malfoy, who seemed bizarrely to draw courage and comfort from Dumbledore's praise. Yeah, it was. But there were times, Dumbledore went on, weren't there? And you were not sure that you would succeed in mending the cabinet. And you resorted to crude and badly judged measures, such as sending me a cursed necklace that was bound to reach the wrong hands, poisoning mead that had only the slightest chance I might drink it. Yeah, well, you still didn't realise who was behind that stuff, did you? sneered Malfoy as Dumbledore slid a little down the ramparts, the strength in his legs apparently fading and Harry struggled fruitlessly, mutely, against the enchantment binding him. "'As a matter of fact, I did,' said Dumbledore. "'I was sure that it was you.' "'Why didn't you stop me, then?' Malfoy demanded. "'I tried, Draco. Professor Stape has been keeping watch over you on my orders.' "'He wasn't doing it on your orders. He promised my mother—' Of course, that is what he would tell you, Draco, but... He's a double agent, you stupid old man. He's not working for you. You just think that he is. We must agree to differ upon that, Harry. Dang it. We must agree to differ upon that, Draco. So happens that I trust Professor Snape. Well, you're losing your grip, then, sneered Malfoy. He's been offering me plenty of help, wanting all the glory for himself, wanting a bit of the action. What are you doing? Did you get the necklace? That was so stupid, it could have blown everything. But I haven't told him what I've been doing in the Room of Requirement. He's going to wake up tomorrow, and it's all going to be over. And he won't be the Dark Lord's favourite anymore. He'll be nothing compared to me. Nothing. Very gratifying said Dumbledore mildly. We all like to be appreciated for our own hard work, of course. But you must have had an accomplice all the same, someone in Hogsmeade, someone who was able to slip Katie the, uh, uh. Dumbledore closed his eyes again and nodded as though he were about to fall asleep. Of course. Rosmerta. How long has she been under the Imperious Curse? Got there at last, have you? Malfoy taunted. There was another yell from below, rather louder than the last. Malfoy looked nervously over his shoulder again, then back at Dumbledore, who went on. So poor Rosmerta was forced to lurk in her own bathroom and 
pass that necklace to any Hogwarts student who entered the room unaccompanied. And the poisoned mead. Well, naturally, Rosmerta was able to poison it for you before she sent the bottle to Slughorn, believing that it was to be my Christmas present. Yes. Very neat. Very neat. Poor Mr. Filch would not, of course, think to check a bottle of Rosmerta's. Tell me, how have you been communicating with Rosmerta? I thought that we, all, we had all methods of communication in and out of the school monitored. Enchanted coins, said Malfoy, as though he was compelled to keep talking, although his wand hand was shaking badly. I had one, she had the other, and I could send her messages. Isn't that the secret method of communication the group that called themselves Dumbledore's Army used last year? Asked Dumbledore. His voice was light and conversational, but Harry saw him slip an inch lower down the wall as he said it. Yeah, I got my idea from them, said Malfoy with a twisted smile. Got the idea of poisoning the mead from the mudbud Granger as well. I heard her talking in the library about Filch not recognizing potions. Please do not use that offensive word in front of me, said Dumbledore. Malfoy gave a harsh laugh. <laughs> you, you care about me saying mudblood when I'm about to kill you? Yes, I do, said Dumbledore, and Harry saw his feet slide a little on the floor as he struggled to remain upright. But as for being about to kill me, Draco, you have had several long minutes now. We are quite alone. I am more defenceless than you can have dreamed of finding me. And still you have not acted. Malfoy's mouth contorted involuntarily as though he had tasted something very bitter. Now, about tonight, Dumbledore went on. I am a little puzzled about how it happened. You knew I had left the school. Ah, but of course, he answered his own question. As matter saw me leaving. She tipped you off using your ingenious coins, I'm sure. That's right, said Malfoy. But she said that you were just going for a drink, that you'd be back. Well, I certainly have had a drink. And I came back. After a fashion mumbled Dumbledore. So you decided to spring a trap for me? We decided to put the dark mark over the tower and get you to hurry up here to see who'd been killed, said Malfoy. And it worked. Well, yes and no, said Dumbledore. But am I to take it then that nobody has been murdered? Someone's dead said Malfoy, and his voice seemed to go up an octave as he said it. One of your people. I don't know who. It was dark. I stepped over the body. I was supposed to be waiting up here when you got back, only your phoenix got in the way. Yes, they do that, said Dumbledore. There was a bang, and shouts from below. Louder than ever. It sounded as though people were fighting on the casual spiral. It sounded as though people were fighting on the actual spiral staircase that led to where Dumbledore, Malfoy, and Harry stood. Harry's heart thundered unheard in his invisible chest. Someone was dead. Malfoy had stepped over the body. But who was it? 
"'There is little time, one way or another,' said Dumbledore. "'So let us discuss your options, Draco.' "'My options?' said Malfoy loudly. I'm "'Standing here with a wand, I'm, I'm about to kill you.' "'My dear boy, let us have no more pretense about that. "'If you were going to kill me, you would have done it when you first disarmed me. "'You would have not stopped for a pleasant chat about ways and means.' "'I haven't got any options,' said Malfoy, and he was suddenly white as Dumbledore. "'I've got to do it. He'll kill me. He'll kill my whole family.' "'I appreciate the difficulty of your position,' said Dumbledore. "'Why else do you think I have not confronted you before now? "'Because I knew that you would have been murdered if Lord Voldemort realised I suspected you.' Malfoy winced at the sound of the name. "'I did not dare speak to you of the mission which I knew that you had been entrusted in case he used legitimacy against you,' continued Dumbledore. "'But now at last we can speak plainly to each other. No harm has been done. You have hurt nobody. Though you are very lucky that your unintentional victims survived. I can help you, Draco.' "'No, you can't,' said Malfoy, his wand hand shaking very badly indeed. "'Nobody can. He told me to do it, or he'll kill me. I've got no choice.' "'Come over to the right side, Draco. We can hide you more completely than you can possibly imagine. What is more, I can send members of the Order to your mother tonight.' and hide her likewise. Your father is safe at the moment in Azkaban. When the time comes, we can protect him too. Come over to the right side, Draco. You are not a killer. Malfoy stared at Dumbledore. When I got this far, didn't I? He said slowly. They thought that I would die in the attempt, but I'm here. And you're in my power. I'm the one with the wand. You're at my mercy. No, Draco, said Dumbledore quietly. It is my mercy, not yours, that matters now. Malfoy did not speak. His mouth was open, his wand hand still trembling. Harry thought he saw it drop by a fraction, but suddenly footsteps were thundering up the stairs, and a second later Malfoy was buffeted out of the way as four people in black robes burst through the door onto the ramparts. Still paralyzed, his eyes staring unblinkingly, Harry gazed in terror upon four strangers. It seems that the Death Eaters had won the fight below. A lumpy-looking man with an odd lopsided leer gave a wheezy giggle. Dumbledore cornered, he said, and he turned to a stocky little woman who looked as though she could be his sister and who was grinning eagerly. Dumbledore woundless. Dumbledore alone. Well done, Draco. Well done. Good evening, Amicus, said Dumbledore calmly, as though welcoming the man to a tea party. 
And you have brought Electo, too. Charming. The woman gave an angry little titter. You think the old jokes can help you on your deathbed, then? She cheered. She jeered. Jokes? No, no, these are manners, replied Dumbledore. Do it, said the stranger standing nearest Harry, a big rangy man with matted gray hair and whiskers, whose black Death Eater robes looked uncomfortably tight. He had a voice like none Harry had ever heard, a rasping bark of a voice. Harry could smell a powerful mixture of dirt, sweat, and unmistakably of blood coming from him. His filthy hands had long yellowish nails. Is that you, Fenrir? asked Dumbledore. That's right, rasped the other. Are you pleased to see me, Dumbledore? No, I cannot say that I am. Fenrir Greyback grinned, showing pointed teeth. Blood trickled down his chin and he licked his lips slowly, obscenely. But do you know how much I like kids, Dumbledore? Am I to take it that you are attacking even without the full moon now? This is most unusual. You have developed a taste for human flesh that cannot be satisfied once a month. That's right, said Fenrir Greyback. Shocks you that, does it, Dumbledore? Frightens you? Well, I cannot pretend it does not disgust me a little said Dumbledore. Yes, I am shocked that Draco here invited you of all people into the school where his friends live. I didn't, breathed Malfoy. He was not looking at Fenrir. Did not even seem to want to glance at him. I didn't know that he was going to come. I wouldn't miss a trip to Hogwarts, Dumbledore, rasped Greyback. Not when there are throats to be ripped out. Delicious, delicious, and he raised a yellow fingernail and picked at his front teeth, leering at Dumbledore. What could do you for after, Dumbledore? No, said the fourth Death Eater sharply. He had a heavy, brutal-looking face. We've got orders. Draco's got to do it. Now, Draco, and quickly. Malfoy was showing less resolution than ever. He looked terrified, and he stared into Dumbledore's face, which was even paler and rather lower than usual, as he had slid so far down the rampart wall. He's not long for this world anyway, if you ask me, said the lopsided man, to the accompaniment of his sister's wheezing giggles. Look at him. What's happened to you then, Dumbly? Weaker resistance, slower reflexes, Amicus, said Dumbledore. Old age, in short. One day, perhaps it will happen to you, if you are lucky. What's that mean, then? Huh? What's that mean? yelled the, the Death Eater, suddenly violent. Always the same. Are you dumbly talking and doing nothing? Nothing? I, I don't know why the Dark Lord's bothering to kill you. Come on, Draco, do it. But at that moment, there were renewed sounds of scuffling from below, and a voice shouted, They've blocked the stairs! Reducto! Reducto! Harry's heart leapt. 
So these four had not eliminated all opposition, but merely broken through the barrier to, th to the top of the tower, and by the sound of it, created a barrier behind them. Now, Draco, quickly, said the brutal-faced man angrily. But Malfoy's hand was shaking so badly he could barely aim. I'll do it, snarled Fenrir, moving toward Dumbledore with his hands outstretched, his teeth bared. I said no, shouted the brutal-faced man. There was a flash of light as the werewolf was blasted out of the way. He hit the ramparts and staggered, looking furious. Harry's heart was hammering so hard it seemed impossible that nobody could hear him standing there, imprisoned by Dumbledore's spell. If he could only move, he could aim a curse from under the cloak. Draco, do it or stand aside so that one of us, screeched the woman, but at that precise moment the doors burst open, and there stood Snape, his wand clutched in his hand as his black eyes swept the scene. From Dumbledore, slumped against the wall, to the four Death Eaters, including the enraged werewolf and Malfoy. We got a problem, Snipe, said the lumpy amicus, whose eyes and wand were fixed upon Dumbledore. A boy doesn't seem to be able to... But somebody else had spoken Snape's name, quite softly. Severus. The sound frightened Harry beyond anything he had experienced all evening. For the first time, Dumbledore was pleading... Snape said nothing, but walked forward and pushed Malfoy roughly out of the way. The three Death Eaters fell back without a word. Even the werewolf seemed cowed. Snape gazed for a moment at Dumbledore, and there was revulsion and hatred etched into the hard lines of his face. Severus, please... Snape raised his wand and pointed it directly at Dumbledore. Avada Kedavra! A jet of green light shot from the end of Snape's wand and hit Dumbledore squarely in the chest. Harry's scream of horror never left him. Silent and unmoving, he was forced to watch as Dumbledore was blasted into the air. For a split second... He seemed to hang suspended beneath the shining skull. And then he fell slowly backward, like a great rag doll over the battlements and out of sight. And that's the end of our chapter. We've got another one coming up. Um, the second chapter is a bit shorter. Um, we're doing two chapters tonight. We've got our first one done. We're coming up on our second one. I'm going to take a quick break, but first, I want to talk to Chad a little bit. Um, so Tuna in the Discord says, is Fenrir Andy Circus?" And Fenrir uh, is actually, uh, you could say that. Fenrir is uh, Andy Circus from, um, actually, you know what? What nationality is Andy Circus? Where is he from? I thought he was... Uh, I thought it was a Brit. Um, 
English actor. Okay. Uh, so my my belief is that yes, it is Andy Circus, but it's the voice that Andy Circus based his um, uh, his uh, Marvel voice off of. Who does he play in Marvel again? What's what's the name of that character? Somebody help me out. Um, I believe that he based it off of uh, Charlotte Copley. Claw, that's right. Claw with a K. Um, yeah, so I, I, I went for kind of a brutalized uh, Charlotte Copley. And um, yeah, I think honestly, either one of them would make a fantastic Fenrir Greyback. Uh, if you're going for kind of a creepier Fenrir, uh, Charlotte Copley could make a, a fantastic one. Um, if you're going for a more powerful one, I think Andy Serkis has got that, like, he can do fierce really well. Um, but yeah, this was a big chapter. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to skip ahead and just ignore what just happened here. Um, because this is maybe the biggest, most surprising turn in the entire series. Right? Bulma says I had to read and reread, um, tie-dye says great gravity given to the reading thank you very much i appreciate that a lot also during the um during the 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 internet going down i missed uh jesse longbottom thank you very much for the follow welcome to scooter patrol um <laughs> bulma says uh sam does it justice i appreciate that a lot um Baygents says i always found it so noble that even though dumbledore could have gotten himself out of the situation he didn't um uh I'm going to be careful just in case of spoilers. I don't want to go too much into like various parts of this, but um, yeah, Luke asks the important question. Uh, I know. Do you first timers think it's for real? You think he's dead for real? Um, it is an absolutely insane chapter. Uh, this is, this is the one that when I was reading it, um, unfortunately I'd already had this moment spoiled for me for some reason. Um, and I've, I mentioned this before, for some reason, when I was in uh, middle school going through um, middle school and maybe even early high school as well before I'd read any of these, because remember, I didn't read the Harry Potter series until I was 20 years old. Um, but the it was, it, it's ridiculous. Every time um, I went to like, a, you know, a, a sleepover or something and or, or, you know, some kind of high school party, what have you. Uh, we even had one where it was just a meetup for our science group. Um, somehow, in the midst of all that, every single time these movies were on, it was always on this part of this movie. I would just catch it in the background and there it was, Dumbledore uh, lit in green in slow motion, falling backwards. Um, and uh, this is, you know, this is, I'm sorry. Uh, Dog, that is jarring and I am, I'm very sorry that you have to I'm, I'm very sorry that this is the week that it falls on. I was just talking at the at the top of the stream about how thankful I was to be able to do this right now when people need encouragement, but this is not a terribly encouraging section. Yeah, Gwen Doug, I'm very sorry. Holly says, this scene felt a lot like Sirius's death for me for the first time, where I was just dumbstruck in disbelief. Yeah, so uh, Sirius's death was one that definitely took me by surprise. Like I said, this this particular moment, this chapter here, um, had been spoiled for me a couple of times, um, probably no less than five. Um, but yeah, Sirius's death hit me really hard, and I think this is one of the things that this book, these this series did 
in an important way. I think that's one of the significant things that this series did was to deal with death, um, death and loss on a scale that we had never really seen it before for this audience. I certainly won't say never. I should say uh, that we had not really seen in this genre of late. Hogwarts Hippie says, I took Sirius's death somewhat harder, but this was very close to that. Yeah, and I think this is this is a different this is a different moment, um, both for us as 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 readers, viewers, what have you. Um, uh, careful about spoilers, folks. Um, the uh, the the deaths of Dumbledore versus Sirius, and we will probably be talking about this uh, later on. Um, this will probably be our post post chat uh, discussion um, as we talk about uh, this death and loss. But more specifically, what did those characters mean to Harry? Um, I think we're going to be talking about that quite a bit. Um, Jazzy says, "I've got a friend who took Cedric's death really horribly." Yeah, I can understand that. Um, you know, trying to get connected there, um, uh, having and that was one of the first big ones that. Uh, really came by such a surprise. It was the first one, it was the first time, as far as I remember, where we were so close to such a, somebody who was so so much aligned with like the good guys. You know what I mean? We've had other folks die before. We've had, um, we've had other people who, um, who died sort of in, in relative proximity or who were already bad guys. But, but Cedric was one of the first times that uh, we had really seen that the, the death of somebody who we are, you know, I'm not going to say like a good person because I've talked before about how I think those labels are um, uh, like reductive to the point where they're actually counterproductive. Um, so not a good person, but a person that we understand is aligned with the good guys or what have you. Um, and we were really close to that. Uh, but I think we're going to come back to this with Cedric and and uh, Sirius and Dumbledore, and we'll just talk about kind of how how this was, uh, you know, what his impact was for all of us during these books. Um, Lisa says this moment was as big a swing as the uh, high of last week, uh, high of last week's kiss. Uh, yeah, exactly. This was this was such a big, such enormous things are happening. You know, we're we're starting to get into territory where Harry's life is no longer confined to these things happened at school and it was really interesting and literally we would get like a a um uh like almost a montage of what happened during the summer right we we never really got anything any any idea of what happened during the summers um he would have his big school adventures and they would be very school related and it would have to do with dumbledore and and uh you know his school people and then he would kind of go back to like normal life now he is having he's having experiences that are bigger than school, right? Yes, they are at the school and they are related to the school, but they are. <laughs> You're right, Luke. You're right. Um, I, sorry, you just keep y'all keep bringing up interesting things in chat. I don't even know who's I don't remember whose point I'm I'm talking about right now. I think it was Lisa. Yeah, it was Lisa. Um, but Harry's having these big moments that exist. Um, he, he's entering life essentially. He's he's moving from life through the lens of school to now just being exposed to life in general and all of the uh, wild challenges, adventures, joys, and sorrows that are involved in that. 
Um, and uh, so Luke has an excellent point. I should take a break here. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep running on through. But uh, I'm going to take five minutes, and we're going to come back with our next chapter. Uh, like I said, it's a shorter one, but uh, this will be our second and final chapter for tonight. Um, I will be seeing y'all in five minutes. See ya. Hello, and welcome back. How is everyone doing? Gotta pop the noisemaker. Okay. Hey, what is going on here? What is this? Oh, wait, other side? What's going on here? Oh. It's acting up again, folks. Watch out. It's trying to goose us. What is even... Is it like a reflection of... I don't know what it's seeing down there. All I know is it's driving me crazy. All right, gang. Welcome back. Bayjance has stopped crying. <laughs> That's good. That's good, at least. Hey, folks. I'm going to say to uh, to any of you new folks, hello and welcome. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. Uh, don't forget to follow if you want to get updated, because this channel is kind of unique in that one of the you know the the, the stuff that we do here is really linear. Um, you know, we do a lot of fun stuff like uh, Boot and Scoot with uh, me and Tuna Sunday playing stuff like Warzone. Um, we do some things uh, that aren't quite as important to experience in a linear fashion. But um, if you do hit the follow button, then you are going to make sure to get notified when I am up and reading the next chapter. Um, we are pretty consistent, though. Um, and for those of you who have been following me for a while, thank you all so very much. Uh, I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, all right. I'm curious what chat's been talking about. I'm seeing some some uh, some interest in uh, Narnia, and I'm, I'm of course seeing the interest in other stuff as well. Uh, I'm seeing. Well, let's see. I see a mention of Game of Thrones, Del Toro's Quest, um, Silmarillion, Lord of the Rings, of course. Um, David Eddings. I don't know much about that, but uh, I will say. So I have I've done some tests with Lord of the Rings, um, very very brief ones. I would need to do more before I could fully commit to it. Um, right now, I'm not even going to put it on the vote necessarily, but this is the sort of stuff that like subscriptions would help me to put together. If I could, if I could really um, like dedicate that kind of time to it, then yeah, I mean I I love the Lord of the Rings books. I can tell you that much for sure. Um, I think those are, they're amazing stories and they are told really well. Um, now, I i think uh, some of y'all may be shocked to, to learn that they are different from the movies. But uh, yeah, it's uh, its some of the, it's some of the most interesting stuff um, about these various books is that my, my level of excitement for them um, is very different different from their viability as like a good streaming option because i've i've read lord of the rings actually more than i have read uh more more times than i've read harry potter um but it's just i think it would be challenging to do live we'll see um but uh yeah the the narnia books so if, uh the chronicles of narnia i have read aragon that was one of the ones uh that i really enjoyed when i was young i was i, I, I want to say i read through that as they were coming out essentially and so i would sort of uh, I got the same experience that most of y'all, I imagine, got with Harry Potter. Um, uh, I was not allowed to read Harry Potter when I was when I was uh, very young, um, and eventually I just read them on my own. Um, I've heard good things about Dark Tower as well, um, but yeah, I've read Aragon. Um, 
the interesting thing about, sorry, y'all keep saying interesting things and it takes everything I can do to not get distracted by it. Um, the, the Chronicles of Narnia books uh, are an interesting little anomaly. They change tone really drastically. Um, there is, of course, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is a fantastic, like, sweeping adventure. Um, a, a super magical world, truly very magical. Um, uh, as is, you know, Prince Caspian. Uh, and then we get into things like the Silver Chair, which is a bit of a trip. Um, and then the, mu uh, the musician, the magician's nephew even more so. Um, I have read through those uh, that whole series, uh, probably two and a half times, I think. Um, it's just an, it's just an interesting one. It's strange. Um, it was, so, uh, Lise is wondering, why weren't you allowed to read Harry Potter? It was because my parents, um, were pretty religious. Um, they still are, but, uh, they have, I was, I was the first of a number of children, quite a few. I'm the, I'm the oldest of, um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm hesitant to, I, I try to maintain people's privacy. And if that means keeping stuff about my siblings quiet, then I think I shall. Uh, but I am the oldest of quite a few siblings and, um, being the first child of, of parents, I think, uh, it was just one of the things that they had, they had worried was, uh, well, I think Tuna Sunday puts it the best magic is the devil. Um, uh, in, in certain religious groups, any discussion of magic is kind of considered to be off the table. So we read Chronicles of Narnia instead, where it's just different magic. Um, and yeah, I, I truly don't know why. I think it was simply because C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, was um, a, a Christian writer through most of his life. Um, I imagine that's it because I think the messages of both of them are very similar. You know, we talk about this, this, the, the, the deep magic in Chronicles of Narnia. And what is it essentially? It is the deep magic of, of love at the end of the day. And, um, you know, true selfless love. And I think we get so much discussion of that. As a matter of fact, we almost, it's a different discussion of it slightly, but I would say we almost go more into depth about how complicated that is um, in the Harry Potter series compared to uh, Narnia. Gwen Doug says, I was a senior in high school when Harry Potter came out and I had no idea at the time they were so taboo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zay in discord says Narnia has Christian symbolism. Um, and that is true, um, and I think like I think you could find a lot of like, if if you were to take these two uh, books going in blind, um, I think you could easily find uh, I think you could easily find sort of Christian themes in either one of them, and I think that's simply because it is an archetypal story. I think this this the story that exists in the Bible, the story that you know the the this idea of self-sacrifice, uh, love to the point of self-sacrifice, um, exists in stories and has for a very, very long time. I think that's why it was, I think that's why the Bible was written in the way it was. And I think that's why, you know, Harry Potter and Narnia are written the way that they are. I think it's just a, a story that resonates with a lot of people. Um, I think it's one of the, the sort of, okay. So there's this idea of the monomyth in, in, um, 
uh, in literature, but it's not super applicable here. I just want to use a word that's similar that means something totally different. Um, just the idea that I think there are certain stories that will always mean something to humans. Um, stories of love so far, uh, love uh, even through self-sacrifice, uh, stories about um, overcoming challenges. Um, that, that fits more along with the monomyth, but um, overcoming challenges both in the world and in yourself. That's that's more the, the monomyth, but um, stories of love, stories of uh, loss and dealing with that. And uh, the more of those that you combine, I, I don't want to say that it's formulaic, but um, I do truly think that there are some things that will always kind of cut to people's core um, and things that just about everyone can relate to. And maybe that's maybe that's mostly what it's about. I've, I've, I've often thought, you know, what is it about cat videos? And that's right. I've gone straight from how humans will always tell stories about death to cat videos. Follow me here. Work with me. I'm, I'm circling around to it. Um, and I think it's the idea of the lowest common denominator. It's not that, you know, it's not that, you know, simple people like cat videos and there are just, you know, so many simple people out there. Um, you know, people who can't who can't handle the, you know, uh, who can't handle Proust or some nonsense. It's the lowest common denominator. It's the, it's a thing that we all have in common. It's not that it's not that, you know, dumb people like a certain type of entertainment. And so, you know, that entertainment works because we have such a, a deluge of dumb people. It's because dumb entertainment can kind of appeal to parts of us that exist across the board. Um, people, I, I, for instance, I really like um, niche humor to the point where I don't, uh, it, this is almost shameful to say out loud, but I like humor that is so niche that I have to maybe struggle to understand it. For instance, uh, the, the webcomic XKCD. Um, I am not a programmer, I'm not an engineer, but I find a lot of that stuff really funny. And for some reason, that's just like the the particular brand of humor that I really enjoy is this sort of like uh, impenetrable nonsense stuff. Um, uh, stuff that's, that's kind of technical that I don't necessarily even understand fully all the time, but I really enjoy it. However, I also enjoy the just the goofy general stuff that most people enjoy. And I think that is that is what we find here that that everyone is you know different we all branch out in our own our own directions for for humor and for entertainment and and for the stories that are important to us but there are the things that the simple things that kind of everyone has in them and whereas i might like you know super impenetrable uh strange technical humor and somebody else might like um uh, you know, uh, Shakespearean uh, uh, wit or, or uh, you know, Jane Eyre, um, Jane Austen, excuse me. Um, and somebody else might like, uh, you know, super physical comedy. Everyone has that thing in them that says, you know what, a video of a cat like doing backflips, that's just kind of funny to everyone. And I think it's a similar idea. Um <laughs> Gwendog says, I think this is definitely the most heady stream and chat we've ever had. Um, this is kind of the stuff that, that uh, we, we get into afterwards. And this is the, definitely the stuff that we get into with um, our vintage sidecar read through. So definitely go check those out. Um, I recognize this is a longer than average break. Let me wrap this thought up. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're interested in more discussion like this, where we really get a deep dive into, but also explain the things that uh, 
um, that make classic literature resonate with people, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, go through a simple version of, we go through classic literature. I need to come up with a better tagline for this. We go through classic literature. I, I kind of explain what's going on. And then we talk about the important points in a very similar way to this. But at the end of the day, um, back to my cat videos point, I think there are the, there's those core things that are consistent with everyone. It's the, the lowest common denominator, uh, not to say low as in invaluable, simply low as in more basic, less nuanced. Uh, and I think there are stories like the stories of loss, the stories of love, um, uh, the stories of love um, to the point of self-sacrifice. I think those are things that we all dwell on as humans. <laughs> Spark plug notes, Tuna Sunday. There we go. Nailed it in one. All right, gang. Let's get on with it, shall we? <laughs> Let's move on because I definitely have talked long enough about this. All right. Chapter 28. The Flight of the Prince. Harry felt as though he too were hurtling through space. It had not happened. It could not have happened. Get out of here quickly, said Snape. He seized Malfoy by the scruff of the neck and forced him through the door ahead of the rest. Greyback and the squat brother and sister followed, the latter both panting excitedly. As they vanished through the door, Harry realized he could move again. What was now holding him paralyzed against the wall was not magic, but horror and shock. He threw the invisibility cloak aside as the brutal-faced Death Eater, last to leave the tower, was appearing through the door. Petrificus Totalus! The Death Eater buckled, as though he were hit in the back with something solid and fell to the ground, rigid as waxwork. But he had barely hit the floor when Harry was clambering over him and running down the darkened staircase. Terror tore at Harry's heart. He had to get to Dumbledore and he had to catch Snape. Somehow, the two things were linked. He could reverse what had happened if he had them both together. Dumbledore could not have died. He leapt the last ten steps of the spiral staircase and stopped where he landed, his wand raised. The dimly lit corridor was full of dust. Half of the ceiling seemed to have fallen in, and a battle was raging before him. But even as he attempted to make out who was fighting whom, he heard the hated voice shout, It's over! Time to go! And saw Snape disappearing over the corner at the far end of the corridor. He and Malfoy seemed to have forced their way through the fight unscathed. As Harry plunged after them, one of the fighters detached themselves from the fray and flew at him. It was the werewolf, Fenrir. He was on top of Harry before Harry could raise his wand. Harry fell backward, with filthy, matted hair in his face, the stench of sweat and blood filling his nose and mouth, hot, greedy breath at his throat. Petrificus Tortalus! Harry felt Fenrir collapse against him. With a stupendous effort, he pushed the werewolf off of him and onto the floor. As a jet of green light came flying toward him, he ducked and ran, headfirst, into the fight. His feet met something squashy and slippery on the floor, and he stumbled. There were two bodies lying there, lying face down in a pool of blood, but there was no time to investigate. 
Harry now saw red hair flying like flames in front of him. Ginny was locked in combat with the lumpy Death Eater, Amicus, who was throwing hex after hex at her while she dodged them. Amicus was giggling, enjoying the sport. Crucio! Crucio! You can't dance forever, pretty... Impedimentia! yelled Harry. His drinks hit Amicus in the chest. He gave a pig-like squeal of pain. And was lifted off the ground and slammed into the opposite wall slid down it and fell out of sight behind Ron, Professor McGonagall, and Lupin, each of whom was battling a separate Death Eater. Beyond them, Harry saw Tonks fighting an enormous blonde wizard who was sending curses flying in all directions so that they ricocheted off the walls around them, cracking stone, shattering the nearest window. Harry, where did you come from? Ginny cried, but there was no time to answer her. He put his head down and sprinted forward, narrowly avoiding a blast that erupted over his head showering them all in bits of wall. Snape must not escape. He must catch up with Snape. Tick that! shouted Professor McGonagall, and Harry glimpsed the female Death Eater, Electo, sprinting away down the corridor with her arms over her head, her brother right behind her. He launched himself after them, but his foot was caught on something, and the next he saw, he was lying across someone's legs. Looking around, he saw Neville's pale, round face flat against the floor. Neville, are you... I'm all right, muttered Neville, who was clutching his stomach. And he snapped and Malfoy ran past. I know, I'm on it, said Harry, aiming a hex at the floor from the, from the floor at the enormous blonde death eater who was causing most of the chaos. The man gave a howl of pain and the spell hit him in the face. He wheeled around, staggered, and then pounded away after his brother, after the brother and sister. Harry scrambled up from the floor and began to sprint along the corridor, ignoring the bangs issuing from behind him and the yells of the others to come back and the mute call of the figures on the ground whose fate he did not yet know. He skidded around the corner, his trainers slippery with blood. Snape had an immense head start. Was it possible he could have already entered the cabinet in the room of requirement? Or had the order made steps to secure it to prevent the Death Eaters from retreating that way? He could hear nothing but the pounding of his own feet, the hammering of his own heart, as he sprinted along the next empty corridor, but then spotted a bloody footprint that showed him at least one of the fleeing Death Eaters was heading toward the front doors. Perhaps the room of requirement was indeed blocked. Just a second. I'll be right back. He skidded around another corner and curses flew past him. He dived behind a suit of armor that exploded. He saw the brother and sister running down the marble staircase ahead and aimed jinxes at them, but merely hit several bewigged witches in a portrait on the landing, who ran screeching at a neighboring paintings. As he leapt the wreckage of armor, Harry heard more shouts and screams. Other people within the castle seemed to have awoken. He pelted toward a shortcut, hoping to overtake the brother and sister and close in on Malfoy and Snape, who must surely have reached the grounds by now. Remembering to leap the vanishing step halfway down the concealed staircase, he burst through a tapestry at the bottom and out into a corridor, where a number of bewildered and pajama-clad Hufflepuffs stood. Harry, we heard a noise, and someone said something about the dark mark, began Ernie McMillan. Out of my way! yelled Harry knocking the two boys aside as he sprinted toward the landing and down the remainder of the marble staircase. The oak front doors had blasted open, 
and there were smears of blood on the flagstones. And several terrified students stood huddled against the walls, one or two cowering with their arms over their faces. The giant Gryffindor hourglass had been hit by a curse, and the rubies within were still falling, with a loud rattle, onto the cobblestones below. Harry flew across the entrance hall and out into the dark grounds. He could just make out three figures racing across the lawn, heading for the gates beyond which they could disapparate. By the looks of them, the huge blonde Death Eater and, some way ahead of them, Snape and Malfoy. The cold night air ripped at Harry's lungs as he tore after them. He saw a flash of light in the distance that momentarily silhouetted his quarry. He did not know what it was, but continued to run, not yet near enough to aim a good curse. Another flash. Shouts. Retaliatory jets of light, and Harry understood. Hagrid had emerged from his cabin and was trying to stop the Death Eaters escaping. And though every breath seemed to shred his lungs and the stitch in his chest was like fire, Harry sped up to an unbidden voice in his head that said, Not Hagrid. Not Hagrid, too. Something caught Harry in the small of the back, and he fell forward, his face smacking the ground, blood pouring out of both nostrils. He knew, even as he rolled over, his wand ready, that the brother and sister had overtaken, that he had overtaken using his shortcut were closing in behind him. Impedimentia! he yelled as he rolled over, crouching close to the ground, and miraculously his jinx hit both of them. Nope, let's try that again. His jinx hit one of them, who stumbled and fell, tripping up the other. Harry leapt to his feet and sprinted on after Snape. And now he saw the vast outline of Hagrid, illuminated by the light of the crescent moon revealed suddenly behind the clouds. The blonde Death Eater was aiming curse after curse at the gamekeeper, but Hagrid's immense strength and the toughened skin he had inherited from his giantess mother seemed to be protecting him. Snape and Malfoy, however, were still running. They would soon be beyond the gates, able to disapparate. Harry tore past Hagrid and his opponent, took aim at Snape's back, and yelled, Stupefy! He missed. The jet of red light soared past Snape's head. Snape shouted, Run, Draco! and turned. Twenty yards apart, he and Harry looked at each other before raising their wands simultaneously. Curse! But Snape parried the curse, knocking Harry backward off of his feet before he could complete it. Harry rolled over and scrambled back up as the huge Death Eater behind him yelled, Incendio! Harry heard an explosion, bang, and a dancing orange light spilled over all of them. Hagrid's house was on fire. Fangs in there, you devil! Hagrid bellowed. Cruise! Harry yelled for the second time, aiming for the figure ahead, illuminated in the dancing firelight. But Snape blocked the spell again. Harry could see him sneering. No unforgivable curses from you, Potter! He shouted over the rushing of the flames, Hagrid's yells, and the wild yelping of the trapped fang. You haven't got the nerve or the ability. Incast! Harry roared, but the Snape, but Snape deflected the spell with an almost lazy flick of his arm. Fight back! Harry screamed at him. Fight back, you cowardly! Coward, did you call me, Potter? Shouted Snape. Your father would never attack me unless it was four on one. What would you call him, I wonder? Stupid! 
blocked again and again and again until you learn to keep your mouth shut and your mind closed, Potter, sneered Snape, deflecting the curse once more. Now come, he shouted at the huge Death Eater behind Harry. It is time to be gone before the Ministry turns up. Impedit! But before he could finish this curse, excruciating pain hit Harry. He kneeled over on the grass. Someone was screaming. He would surely die of this agony. Snape was going to torture him to death or madness. No! roared Snape's voice, and the pain suddenly stopped as it had started. Harry lay curled on the dark grass, clutching his wand and panting. Somewhere overhead, Snape was shouting, Have you forgotten our orders? Potter belongs to the Dark Lord. We are to leave him. Go! Go! And Harry felt the ground shudder under his face as the brother and sister and the enormous Death Eater obeyed, running toward the gates. Harry uttered an inarticulate yell of rage. At that instant, he cared not whether he lived or died. Pushing himself to his feet again, he staggered blindly toward Snape, the man he now hated as much as he hated Voldemort himself. Sectum! Snape flicked his wand, and the curse was repelled yet again. But Harry was now mere feet away, and he could see Snape's face clearly at last. He was no longer sneering or jeering. The blazing flames showed a face full of rage. Mustering all of his powers of concentration, Harry thought... Lever, No, Potter! screamed Snape. It was a loud bang, and Harry was soaring backwards, hitting the ground hard again. This time, his wand flew out of his hand. He could hear Hagrid yelling and Fang howling as Snape closed in and looked down at him where he lay, wandless and defenseless as Dumbledore had been. Snape's pale face, illuminated by the flaming cabin, was suffused with hatred, just as it had been before he had cursed Dumbledore. You dare use my own spells against me, Potter? It was I who invented them. I, the half-blood prince, and you would turn my inventions against me like your filthy father, would you? I don't think so. No! Harry had dived for his wand. Snape shot a hex at it, and it flew feet away from him into the dark and out of sight. Kill me, then, panted Harry who felt no fear at all, only rage and contempt. Kill me, like you killed him, you coward. Don't! screamed Snape, and his face was suddenly demented, inhuman, as though he was in as much pain as the yelping, howling dog in the burning house behind him. Don't call me coward! And he slashed in the air. Harry felt a white-hot, whip-like thing hit him across the face and was slammed backward into the ground. Spots of light burst in front of his eyes, and for a moment, all the breath seemed to have gone from his body. Then he heard a rush of wings above him, and something enormous obscured the stars. Buckbeak had flown at Snape, who staggered backward as a razor-sharp claws slashed at him. As Harry raised himself to a sitting position, his head still swimming from its last contact with the ground, he saw Snape running as hard as he could, the enormous beast flapping along behind him and screeching as Harry had never heard him screech. Harry struggled to his feet, looking around groggily for his wand, hoping to give chase again, but even as his fingers fumbled in the grass, discarding twigs, he knew it would be too late. 
and sure enough, by the time he had located his wand, he turned only to see that the hippogriff was circling the gates. Snape had managed to disapparate just beyond the school's boundaries. Hagrid, muttered Harry, still dazed, looking around. Hagrid! He stumbled toward the burning house as an enormous figure emerged from the flames carrying Fang on his back. With a cry of thankfulness, Harry sank to his knees. He was shaking in every limb. His body ached all over and his breath came in painful stabs. You're right, Harry. You're right. Speak to me, Harry. Hagrid's huge, hairy face was swimming above Harry, blocking up the stars. Harry could smell burnt wood and dog hair. He put out a hand and felt Fang's reassuringly warm and alive body quivering beside him. I'm all right, panted Harry. Are you? Of course I am. Take more than that to finish me off. Hagrid put his hands under Harry's arms and raised him up with such force that Harry's feet momentarily left the ground before Hagrid set him upright again. He could see blood trickling down Hagrid's cheek from a deep cut under one eye, which was swelling rapidly. We should put out your house, said Harry. The charms aguamenti. I knew it was something like that, mumbled Hagrid, and he raised a smoldering pink flowery umbrella and said, Aguamenti. A jet of water flew out of the umbrella tip. Harry raised his wand arm, which felt like lead, and murmured, Aquamenti, too. Together, he and Hagrid poured water on the house until the last flame was extinguished. It's not too bad, said Hagrid, hopefully, a few minutes later, looking at the smoking wreck. Nothing that Dumbledore won't be able to put right. Harry felt a searing pain in his stomach at the sound of the name. In the silence and the stillness, horror rose inside of him. Hagrid. I was binding up a couple of bull truckle legs when I heard him coming, said Hagrid sadly, still staring at his wrecked cabin. They have been burnt to twigs. Poor little things. Hagrid. But what happened, Harry? I just saw them Death Eaters running down from the castle, but what in the ruddy hell was Snape doing with him? Where's he gone? Was he chasing him? He... <clears throat> <clears throat> Harry cleared his throat. It was dry from panic and the smoke. Hagrid. He killed... Killed? Said Hagrid loudly, staring down at Harry. Snape killed? What are you on about, Harry? Dumbledore, said Harry. Snape killed Dumbledore. Hagrid simply looked at him. The little of his face that could be seen completely blank. Uncomprehending. Dumbledore, what, Harry? He's dead. Snape killed him. Don't say that, said Hagrid roughly. Snape killed Dumbledore. Don't be stupid, Harry. What's made you say that? I saw it happen. He couldn't have. I saw it, Hagrid. 
Hagrid shook his head. His expression was disbelieving but sympathetic, and Harry knew Hagrid thought he had sustained a blow to the head, that he was confused. Perhaps the after-effects of a jinx. What must have happened was, Dumbledore must have told Snape to go with them Death Eaters, Hagrid said confidently. I, I suppose he's got to keep his cover. Look, let's get you back up to the school. Come on, Harry. Harry did not attempt to argue or explain. He was still shaking uncontrollably. Hagrid would find out soon enough. Too soon. As they directed their steps back toward the castle, Harry clearly saw that most of its windows were lit now. He could imagine the scenes inside as people moved from room to room, telling each other that Death Eaters had got in, that the mark was shining over Hogwarts, that somebody had been killed. The oak front doors stood open ahead of them, light flooding out onto the drive and the lawn. Slowly, uncertainly, Dressing-gowned people were creeping down the steps, looking around nervously for some sign of the Death Eaters that had fled into the night. Harry's eyes, however, were fixed upon the ground at the foot of the tallest tower. He imagined he could see a black, huddled mass lying on the grass there, though he was really too far away to see anything of the sort. Even as he stared wordlessly at the place where he thought Dumbledore's body must lie, he saw people beginning to move toward it. What are they all looking at? said Hagrid, as he and Harry approached the castle front, Fang keeping as close as he could to their ankles. What's that? Lying on the grass, Hagrid added sharply heading now toward the foot of the astronomy tower, where a small crowd was congregating. You see it, Harry? Right at the foot of the tower? Under where the mark? Blimey. You don't think someone got thrown? Hagrid fell silent, the thought apparently too horrible to express aloud. Harry walked alongside him, feeling the aches and pains in his face and his legs, where the various hexes of the last half-hour had hit him, though in an oddly detached way, as though somebody near him were suffering them. What was real and inescapable was the awful, pressing feeling in his chest. He and Hagrid moved, dreamlike, through the murmuring crowd to the very front, where the dumbstruck students and teachers had left a gap. Harry heard Hagrid's moan of pain and shock, but he did not stop. He walked slowly forward until he had reached the place where Dumbledore lay and crouched down beside him. He had known that there was no hope from the moment that had he had known that there was no hope from the moment that the full body-bind curse Dumbledore had placed upon him had lifted. Known that it could have happened only because its caster was dead. But there was still no preparation for seeing him here. Spread-eagled. Broken. 
the greatest wizard Harry had ever or would ever meet. Dumbledore's eyes were closed, but for the strange angle of his arms and legs he might have been sleeping. Harry reached out, straightened the half-moon spectacles upon the crooked nose, and wiped a trickle of blood from the mouth with his own sleeve. Then he gazed down at the wise old face and tried to absorb the enormous and incomprehensible truth that never again would Dumbledore speak to him. Never again could he help. The crowd murmured behind Harry. After what seemed like a long time, he became aware that he was kneeling upon something hard, and he looked down. The locket that they had managed to steal so many hours before had fallen out of Dumbledore's pocket. It had opened, perhaps due to the force with which it hit the ground. Although he could not feel more shock or horror or sadness than he already felt, Harry knew as he picked it up that there was something wrong. He turned the locket over in his hands. This was neither as large as the locket he remembered seeing in the pensive, nor were there any markings on it. No sign of the ornate S that was supposed to be Slytherin's mark. Moreover, there was nothing inside but for a scrap of folded parchment wedged tightly into the place where a portrait should have been. Automatically, without really thinking what he was doing, Harry pulled the fragment of the parchment opened it and read by the light of the many wands that had now been lit behind him. To the Dark Lord. I know I will be dead long before you read this, but I want you to know that it was I who discovered your secret. I have stolen the real Horcrux and intend to destroy it as soon as I can. I face death in the hope that when you meet your match, you will be mortal once more. R-A-B. Harry neither knew nor cared what this message meant. Only one thing mattered. This was not a horcrux. Dumbledore had weakened himself by drinking that terrible potion for nothing. Harry crumpled the parchment in his hand, and his eyes burned with tears behind him as Fang began to howl. And that's the end of our chapter. Another challenging one, huh? I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to go into detail about it because I'm sure I could go into way too much detail about it. But uh, this is indeed part of the monomyth that we were talking about earlier. This terribly, terribly low moment. 
for everyone who is trying to listen to sidecar stories because it's a fun way to spend a couple hours of your week i apologize <laughs> i'm sorry it had to be this way oh boy here let me let me turn the noisemaker back on because it's really hot in here i really very much appreciate you all joining me um this has been uh, an amazing trip through these books so far and once we are done with this book we've got two more chapters so next week we're going to be finishing up um oh that's so bad can i hold on i've got my gain all the way down uh one thing that i wanted to bring to everyone's attention once more um i just wanted to say uh i i've said i said it at the very top and i'll say it again here um I want to just express how much I appreciate y'all um, and how dedicated you have been to the channel. This has been an incredible adventure for me, but the big thing I want to say is that um, those of you who have been here since the start, sorry for saying it twice, but um, uh, Twitch essentially has two major milestones for streamers, uh, affiliate and partner. And I am already affiliate because y'all have been so dedicated. I have been on this platform for what? Like... I, I was on vacation for a while so if we count just like streaming weeks i've been on this platform for like two and a half weeks and y'all have already got me here um one of the big things that this does is it opens up the subscription button and what that means is that you've got the option to subscribe now i don't expect anybody to subscribe um i really really appreciate the people who have um because those are the folks that are going to help me to stream more um, you know, I've said a couple of times, like, I would love to do more streaming, just has to make sense numbers wise. Uh, and this is one of the things that will help it make sense. Um, the These subscriptions are one of the ways that um, you can support people who you really enjoy. And um, uh, essentially, it will allow me to do more streaming, uh, which I would love to do. Um, one important note is that, like I said, I'm going to continue to do this. Uh, this is going to continue to be what it is. Uh, subscribing or not that will not change what you've already got here with harry potter um, but one thing i do want to note is that if you have an amazon prime subscription you've already got a subscription to somebody on twitch um, you can decide who it goes to but you're already paying for it so if you've got somebody on twitch i'm not even going to say i uh um i'm not even going to say like it needs to go to me but if you've got somebody that you appreciate that just makes your life a little better you're already paying for it with amazon prime so uh might as well give it to somebody who can use that to keep to uh to keep bringing some joy to your life i think it's a good way to do it um and uh, i really appreciate the folks who have already done so um the uh sunday says tuna sunday says come join the other streams as well you can never get enough sidecar yeah so i have done a few more streams than i have in the past um this week and i would like to continue to do some of those things um i'm like i said I, it's really encouraging to me uh to come to a new platform especially after we've had such uh, travails, shall we say, uh, moving from YouTube and then having to, to be on Discord for a while, having to move to Mixer and now Mixer shutting down. So coming here, y'all using, <laughs> y'all uh, spending time with me and, and having this be an important part of your life and being willing to follow me in so many ways that it has made affiliate possible so quickly, that means a ton to me. So I appreciate that an awful lot. Um, yeah, I really appreciate everyone who has done that and then the people who have have gone ahead and said you know what i've been doing this for a while i'm just going to subscribe immediately um i am really really thankful to all of you uh thank you so very much and i hope that we can continue to have a very interesting ride as next week we are going to uh we're going to finish up this book
how crazy is that? We're going to finish up this book and then we are going to move on to the final book of this series. And in doing that, um, we are going to t be taking our vote for what our next series is going to be. Um, I am going to put that vote up. It's going to be on the Discord. Um, this is going to be a... Uh, this is going to be uh, likely something in a similar genre. I will be taking suggestions for it. Uh, Holly Rose, you're very, very welcome. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Holly has just put uh, in the Discord the gif of uh, Frodo hugging Samwise Gamgee and it just says everybody needs a Sam. I really appreciate that. That's a <laughs> that's great. I love that. Um, uh, and yeah, Tuna, of course. Thank you very much for uh, for putting that info in there. But um, oh shoot, I totally lost track of where I was. Uh, so for that vote, I'm going to be putting a new channel in the Discord. Um, where should I put it? I'm going to put it up just under, it's just going to be up in the general chat section. Um, and there is where I'm going to be taking suggestions. And I will put that link here in just a second. So here we go. Um, it's called next series vote. And I'm going to create that invite right now. Hold on. Get my link, copy it, and bop. Okay, so you can head there right now. Um, that is where I'm going to be taking suggestions. Now, don't spam suggestions. And uh, ideally, if you actually, so so don't spam suggestions. That stands. But um, go ahead and let me know what you would be interested in hearing from this. Uh, we are going to be deciding this before I am done with our final book so that I can actually get a head start, um, try to do some of this reading out loud prior to... Um, uh, prior to trying to start it on stream. Ooh. Emart, thank you so very much for the Prime subscription. That's exactly how you do it, folks. <laughs> yeah, I think you 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 uh, you log in with your Amazon Prime information. Um, and uh, Emart, yeah, thank you very much. And of course, all the folks who have uh, who have done so already. We had a couple of folks who did it on on the. Um, uh, oh shoot! What was the stream? What was it? Um, we had a Dungeon World stream, but we had a, oh, it was the, the Spout Lore, uh, session. Um, cause this happened like last Thursday is when I got the email immediately after our most recent, uh, immediately after chapters 25 and 26. Um, so I was super excited about it and, uh, we had a couple of people just pull the trigger super early. And so I'm thankful to all y'all. Um, Jem says stupid, stupid time zones. I fell asleep for 20 minutes and woke up after the deed was done. Caught the chapter. We'll re-listen. Um, yeah, good luck to you. I know it's a little bit challenging. Uh, I'm going to once. So I'm in. I'm in talks with work right now about uh, doing remote work and trying to understand what that schedule will be. But once I've got that, I am going to try and really update my Twitch schedule, which should give you all the information you need in your own time zone, which is super handy. So I will do that, and then I'll start to put those links uh, elsewhere, so that when y'all need to know what my schedule is, you can go there. It should tell you everything exactly in your time zone. Um, all right. Well, gang, um, with this, I believe it's time for beans, is it not? Dun -dun beans time. Indeedy, indeedy. All right. So, 
Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what the heck this is, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks for showing up to something new. Uh, my name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories, and we are currently in the midst of... Oh, we've got a, we've got a jelly bean cavern going on. Um, we're currently in the midst of Harry Potter, and uh, right at the very end of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. We're going into our next chapter, and then we are going to continue on with a new series. Who knows what else? Um, as I go through the beans, as I do, I'm going to go through our, our schedule for the week. Um, and uh, of course, I really, uh, I really appreciate every, everyone who has, um, who has shared the good word about the show. Um, I appreciate that an awful lot. The way that I track that is I look for the HP Out Loud hashtag. And if anyone's posted that, you add an extra bean to the pile. So I'm going to be looking for those as we proceed today. Um, shall I look for those first? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. So, gang. <laughs> Jarp says, when you miss the stream, but show up in time for beans. Indeed, Jarp. That's all that matters. Jarp. That's not true. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Let's see. Um, where am I looking? I blanked out. All right. We'll start with Instagram. Uh, meanwhile, should we start with some other beans? Sure. All right. I'll close my eyes so, so tight. You can, you can cover them if you want to, and then pop me on the nose. Actually, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I have to be searching for him. So you tap me on the shoulder when it's time, and I am going to look this up. Oh, it's so small. Hmm? It's so small. It's so small? Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got our first bean. Ah. Oh, shoot. Our first bean is a miss. We got, we got a whiff. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's More gonna, bean. It's going to have to be a different bean because that's gross. Where'd it go? I don't know where it went. Sure We're probably going to have to track that down, huh? All right. Another one. First bean was missed. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, we're going to have to find out where the heck that went, too. Okay. Uh, otherwise, our cats will get it. Or All right. Look away. I'll look away. It's so small, I can't tell if it's in focus. Or <laughs> ah. There we go. There we go. Oh. Toads says it's floor-flavored. Easy. Okay, let's see. Okay, it's a fruity one. This just tastes like really classic strawberry to me. But as we already know, Sam is bad with fruit flavors. Notoriously bad with fruit flavors. Um, um, now I'm getting a little bit of like a grape popsicle kind of vibe to it. Maybe that grape soda that you were trying to convince me earlier of. I don't know. It doesn't taste like soda at all. Uh, typically, they include a little bit of a bite. So I'm gonna go with. I'm just gonna go with strawberry. I think like an old classic flavor. What do we think? Strawberry. Final answer. Yeah. Is champagne. Champagne. It doesn't taste anything like champagne. It's way too sweet for champagne. I think some of these beans might be mislabeled. <laughs> They've mislabeled some of the beans. For all you folks heading out, have a fantastic night. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming, and I will see you next week. Did you find any? Um, uh, not on that one. I always have to try and remember um, that sometimes it doesn't show up in there. It shows up elsewhere. Um, and I don't believe so. That is all right. I think I think uh, Tuna might have gotten us one on Twitter, but uh, I'm ready for the next one. All right. While I'm checking Twitter.
Uh, meanwhile, however, I want to tell y'all about uh, Vintage Sidecar. It's on Tuesdays, and Tuesday. uh, and it is where we discuss classic literature. We we talk about it um, s to simplify it, and then we get it. Um, hold on, hold on. What are we doing here? I just want to make it bigger. Okay. Um, we talk about classic literature to kind of simplify it, and then um, we do a deep dive on it to the point where if you are listening, we've had some super, super good discussions about it. And um, so if you've got, uh, you know, a high school class that needs it. Oh, I know exactly what this one is. Um, if you've got a high school class that is uh, asking you to read Frankenstein or we've already done The Great Gatsby, um, go ahead and check those out.